Hi, friends. Welcome to the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. I'm your host, Ashwini Prasad. And as we continue learning from Asian creatives in this three-episode arc, I'm so excited to present Nikesh Murali. He hosts the Indian Noir Podcast, which is a critically acclaimed chart-topping podcast featuring thrilling crime and horror audio stories set in India and featuring South Asian Indian characters. Now, Indian Noir has been featured in Harper's Bazaar, India Today, the CBC, and ABC Radio, and Reader's Digest, just to name a few of those places. Absolutely amazing. Now, Nikesh is also the author of a multi-award winning Amazon best-selling short story collection named The Killing Fields, and his novel, His Night Begins was praised by the Crime Fiction Lover magazine for its terse action scenes and brutal energy. Now, Nikesh's writing, not just his audio podcasts, have earned him the tag of the most hard-boiled of Indian crime writers. How amazing! I cannot wait to share Nikesh with you. Now, folks, I would love for you to go ahead and leave a review about this podcast if you're enjoying the content and downloads and sharing. That would be amazing. Feel free to connect with me at theinclusivescreenwriter.com or on Instagram at theinclusivescreenwriter. Now, lastly, I am an anti-racist and anti-oppression educator and consultant. And if I can support you or your organization to create safe spaces as you continue your social justice advocacy work, go ahead and connect with me. And let's see if we can create some safe spaces together. All right, folks, go ahead and enjoy this wonderful episode with Nikesh. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Inclusive Storytelling Podcast. Today, my guest is Nikesh from the Indian Noir Podcast. Nikesh, I always do this for my folks. You might as well just introduce yourself because you know yourself better than I do. So, Nikesh, welcome. How are you this? Hey. Uh, for me, it's morning. For you, it's late night. So, thank you for being here for all the way from Sydney. Hey, Ashwini. Um, good morning to you. And uh, firstly, thank you for having me on your podcast. And a big hello to all of your guests and listeners. Uh, with regards to myself, I'm Nikesh. I run a podcast called Indie Noir. It's a, a storytelling podcast. Uh, we are about 150 episodes uh, old now. It's been running for the last two and a half years. Uh, it mostly um, uh, has uh, crime and horror stories that are set in India with Indian characters. And the podcast has done really well. Um, it's been widely covered in the media. It's got a huge fan base. The top 5% of uh, fiction podcasts in the world. It's always on the top 10 charts. It's not just popular in India. It's particularly popular in the Middle Eastern countries and in the in, in, in US and the UK and Canada where there's an Indian expat population. So um, yeah, so that's me. And uh, I'm very excited once again to be on your podcast and podcast. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you. And I think you're being a little modest here, Nikesh, because Indian Noir at one point was India's number one horror, crime, and dark fantasy storytelling podcast, correct? That is correct. I mean, it, it goes up and down the charts. Sometimes it still is the number one 
and you know, and 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 if you look at the 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 part of the chart where they look at what the all time number one podcasts are, Indian Award is the all time number one in drama for Apple Podcasts in India, uh, but it goes up and down the charts, obviously based on new releases, promotional efforts, but generally tends to stick stick in the first in the top 10 in India and in other countries in the top 50. But I've kept it as a brand uh, kind of tagline as well, because it sets an expectation uh, out of me as well to deliver content uh, that can easily be canvassed as number one in India. So um, yeah, so it's, it's the, the tagline stuck, I suppose. Yes, absolutely. As it should. It's fantastic. I absolutely love what you do with it. And it's, it's reminiscent for me of back in like the 1940s, even before that in North America, they had radio dramas, and that was the source of entertainment. And what you do there, the the sounds and you know, I can almost smell certain things. As you're listening, you really invoke it. And so that's, it's so great. So you are based out of Sydney. And your stories revolve around India and a futuristic mm. India as well, correct? Um, I, I have done some future-centric stories. I've done... Um, uh, so Indian World is a bit of a mixed bag in that sense because uh, while it's mostly crime and horror stories and the way it's um, structured is there'll be one season of crime story, one season of horror story, but occasionally you will have science fiction, uh, as you mentioned, or fantasy tales that are based on Indian mythology, creepy. Um, just to just to throw the audience off, this is a not good practice when you do a, po- a podcast in general. But my audience tend to enjoy it, and it somehow works uh, for both of us. In that, what I found is uh, the reason why I do that is because if you write the same thing again and again, things tend to get a bit stale. Um, so it's good to flex your writerly muscles by writing other things. And what happens when you try new genres as well is that a new cohort of audience is uh, you know, sort of suddenly introduced to your work. So for example, after a long spiel of doing horror, uh, the current season of Indian Noir is a military thriller. And uh, you know the audience has increased by 3x uh, merely from introducing that new genre to play with. Uh, and some of them will listen to the military thriller and leave. Uh, some people who are listening to horror, they would absolutely switch off but the core audience will stay. And plus it'll bring in a new audience that'll stick on. So it's got this cumulative impact over a long period of time, yeah. But it's mostly set in India, it's about Indian characters. Um, and it's trying to fill a gap in the market where there is not enough um, stories, particularly in the horror genre that are done well, um, that cater to Indian listeners. Oh, that's fantastic. And I love that because, you know, this podcast is about inclusivity. And so, you know, you being somebody from Sydney of Indian descent and telling these Indian stories, and you mentioned Indian mythology. Was that the core uh, inspiration for your work or was there other works um, centered around Indian mythology, Indian folklore, Indian religion that inspired you to start this podcast? Yeah, I think I, I think the the the, the it came at the end of a two decade cycle for me as a writer, where you know I had I had gone through the kind of traditional pathway of uh, writing poems, getting good at it, winning awards, then moving to short stories, getting good at it, winning awards. Then by the time time I came to writing long form manuscripts, I just found that the it was very difficult to access publishers and just the way um, the writing business uh, is structured in India and the general 
problems of lack of inclusivity in that space as well, at home and abroad. So I found it difficult in the domestic market and international market to be able to present my long form manuscripts. So I had kind of given up on writing for a long time before I discovered that I had a, a bit of a talent reciting poems and doing narration works. So then I decided to combine the two. Interestingly, because I started reciting a lot of American poems and some of the contemporary American greats like Kaveh Akbar, um, you know, really uh, promoted my work and some of those readings became viral hits and I was able to do a lot of voiceover work and, uh, um, you know, give my voice a lot of poetry and videos in America and act in a lot of audio dramas in America, which then led me to think, you know, why don't I use my writing skills and my narration skills and do a podcast. So that's that's kind of the kind of, you know, historical context of it. But the podcast, uh, Indian Noir podcast, is, um, exists to serve a market of um, uh, Indian stories th that have a darker undertone. It's set in India's underbelly or discusses, with a, lot of, discusses a lot of taboo themes or... Um, uh, a lot of the kind of obsessions of the horror genre, which is not easily available through literature, because we all the, there's an almost the, the the small publishing um, um, sector that should be nurturing horror writers is almost non-existent in India, and for that reason, long you know people don't get uh, to grow as a horror writer and then produce longer manuscripts and send it to the publishers. So then the publishers don't get it, so they complain that there's not enough good work coming, or there isn't. And you work in that genre, so they import uh, kind of Western writing and then promote that. And also the same with sort of crime, you know, even though there is a bigger body of writers uh, writing quite uh, well in that genre. But I, I, I was doing the more hard-boiled variety and uh, World Literature Today Journal uh, did a piece, covered a piece on, uh, covered covered Indian crime writing. And they, they talked about how I was one of the most hard-boiled of Indian writers and that was a conscious decision on my part to pursue that path because I felt like there was not enough people. That's what I enjoyed reading and not enough people were writing in that genre in India, in that subgenre in India. So the podcast uh, serves those niches. If you would, if you would, uh, it's, uh, it's my uh, way to consume content that I want to watch or listen to or read, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. doesn't exist in the market. Uh, so, uh, because it doesn't feature people who look like me or sound like me, uh, and it's not within the cultural context that I grew up in or uh, where my uh, interests are. Um, yeah, so, so I hope that, that that covered your answer. Sorry, yeah, sorry no, for being long-winding, but uh, I, think that, that I, I think it's important to give those perspectives just to see where Indianoir sits. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And that's what we want to delve into. So, you know, you mentioned you have a lot there and what kind of is coming up because I see parallels in North America as well is why there's a sort of genre and the perpetuate, you know, it perpetuates itself where it's like, well, if it's not going to be supported, of course, there's going to be not enough, quote unquote, uh, people writing it right for consumption, which you have totally shown is incorrect. Do you know why why that taboo exists um, around this genre in India, which you have exposed, you know, that there is actually a huge audience, but that taboo around crime and horror, do you have an idea of why that exists? It is very perplexing uh, to me that a, a country and a culture that is uh, built on oral storytelling uh, would 
not have a um, robust oral storytelling sector. Things are changing now, uh, but you know, for a long time that did not exist. For a long time, it did exist through uh, all India Radio. Then it kind of disappeared, and now it's come back again. So that's the oral storytelling genre. Uh, I, I suppose the answer there is uh, television took over um, and killed all the radio stars, and you know, <laughs> and and the, and the and the oral storytelling traditions that were passed by. Uh, a lot of the smaller cultural groups in India as well disappeared because of television in a lot of ways. With regards to the genre, I think it is this lack of attention, um, a lack of nurturing uh, from writers who have practiced that craft, who uh, you know, who did not go find the support to start magazines or were not chosen to be part of editorial boards where they could vet manuscripts. Uh, that fell in that genre. We easily uh, swung the way of the West in that uh, we provided all the exoticized sari wearing, bindi wearing, mango eating, 300 pages about family death, you know, uh, history mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. type novels, which uh, sure, those stories exist too. I'm not saying that doesn't exist, but that's, that's not the whole of India, the India is full of colorful and horrifying stories and uh, you know all the stories that lie in that spectrum uh, but that it was easier to exoticize and sell uh, those stories and uh, I, I think the people who were at the helm of our cultural institutions forgot that uh, just like if you have a monoculture or a mono uh, eco economic um, center within a city you tend to suffer when people get bored or that is not viable anymore if you don't nurture other traditions, then they fall off, or people don't take it take it on board and practice it, and 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 so you 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 miss out on some of the gems, the cultural gems that could come out of that genres. So, in in summary, I think people in at the helm of the cultural institutions being asleep at the wheel, people falling for the old trap of, oh well, here's what sells well in the West, let's just impose that on our own people. And then just, uh, you know, just a lack of uh, foresight about where things could be heading at, uh, which is why publishing is suffering a lot as a business as well. Whereas so, podcasts yeah, so now being about blossoming. Well, it's interesting what you, you know, what you're bringing up here, because um, within the Hindu uh, religion and the stories there's lots of monsters and it mm. even you know for what is today it's a uh, holy in um all over the world for those that celebrated the festival of colors the new spring and that that includes a story of a monster being killed and there's lots mm. of monsters within the hindu religion that get killed and so it's interesting where you're saying you know there's only one sort of tunnel vision narrative that's being told or advertised out of India and about India, whereas if you look at the what number three religion in the world, it stems from a lot of monsters and a lot of the folklore has many very horror, very thriller-like stories. So it fascinates Absolutely. <laughs> it absolutely. Fascinates uh, it's it's, it's absolutely, you've raised a great point. And, you know, stemming from that uh, particular discussion around mythology, the stories based on Indian mythology are bestsellers in, in the publishing genre. They do really well, but nobody's kind of the horror elements, as you rightly refer to, 
to to create works in that genre. There are there are you know some examples, uh, but that's not you know that, that it's not enough to warrant a, a counter argument that uh, uh, no horror is popular. You know we we've been seen shades of that. No no not really. We've done an awful job of distilling some of the themes, some of the monsters, and you raised an important word there, folklore. Uh, the, the, you know, the folklores of the subcultures in India, the st- folklores of minority groups. This is something I'm actively interested in that I try to do with Indian Noir, which is to extract those stories and to put them in, in a more modern context. And I write really thematic stories, and I think that lends well to... India, because life in India is a spectrum. There's the colorful and the horrifying all uh, in in, in the same, passing by in front of your eyes in the same second. And life in India lends itself really well to horror. But that's, yeah, I did did notice that that, uh, that, uh, lack of awareness uh, towards how our culture is permeated with these darker themes, yet they are not used in, in literature. And when they are, they are kind of B-movie tropish, you know, all Indian horror stories tend to be, everyone goes to their, the old old mansion and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's uh, someone wearing a white sari running around. Uh, <laughs> which, you know, the modern reaction would be, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you're someone, like, someone really? Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, really, yeah. The really? widow, white yeah. yeah, the white sari. Yeah, and for folks that may not know, a white sari be indicative of maybe like a widow or even purity. And so for that person yeah. to be running around with That's a white right. sari, I mean, it's absolutely People always wear white sari in, uh, in a lot of the kind of B-grade Indian horror stories. Yeah. You wonder why, right? It, exactly. But I love what you're bringing up here is, one, there's many stories. And like you said, there's nuances or subcultures. And you're bringing that to the top to show the variety and being able to take from the stories that are already there, the stories from the underrepresented and showcase them because they're very rich. And, you know, just like the stories in, the, in what we call mythology or folklore at one point were very real to folks. And they, it's how they were able to navigate the world, how they carried that oral tradition. And I think that yeah. is, to me is absolutely beautiful. I think it's fantastic, but you're May right. May I add one more thing uh, also? Mm-hmm. Um, stories set in different regions because India is so diverse as a country in terms of the different cultures that sit within different regions. So each of the regions tend to have a poster boy or poster girl um, haunted place, <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. th- that's one of the things that I try to, I'm try- intending to do with Indian Noir as well. So I started with the very first uh, story in that series, which is Bhangad, which is a fort um, in Rajasthan. It's considered to be the most haunted place in India. So I did a six part story that's set around the fort. Threads through uh, a lot of themes of how homosexuality is dealt with in India, uh, class warfare, what exactly is a haunting, sort of all these sort of thematic concerns threaded uh, in, in this kind of regional space. So there is so much you can play with because of this diversity. Yeah. Well, I also think about in India, you know, the, what they call the third gender as well. 
and mm. how that's been celebrated for a long time. And this may be called, you know, intersex today, or it would be folks that may be of no gender, non-binary, et cetera. Mm. And what that celebration could really look like and how the stories in India uh, have these different types of characters and different people. But again, it's not sold. It's not, it's not what India is promoting, whereas you're really bringing that up and showcasing the different ways that we can and have treated different folks, which I think is mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic because that's what we need, right? We can get that representation out. Then we can have a conversation about it. And also, yeah. and it's and you know it, it's it's also a thing about the the genre. I think in a horror story, the the people the people who are alive have to be more monstrous than the 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 the, the, the things that are dead and in the dark because that's that's it really is uh, holding up a spectral mirror to mm -hmm. the horrifying elements of life. The person who's alive that brings up the dead, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's integral. A good ghost story should also be sad, as uh, Willormo del Toro once said. This, all, all these aspects—if you are to be truthful in in your fiction—it's it's important that you mirror these elements of society and discuss them and show their horror and perhaps contrast them against a spectral horror that's even more terrifying or less terrifying. But that you leave that up to the reader to make that decision but you just infuse them in these in these in the in a cauldron of ideas uh, while leaving them extremely disturbed um uh, and i think that's that's what best horror does yeah and it's a it's what you've been doing is that diverse representation not just a linear story that people mm. want to sell and i love that and i think that's absolutely fantastic and i really enjoy good thrillers good horror when it's for me done well because so much I've been disappointed in and your podcast is not one of them but others that I have seen definitely in North America that come out of uh, the Canadian horror that's not a lot but in the United States it's just severely disappointing it's it's basically just blood and gore versus mm. what you talk about that storytelling and the build-up of mm. something that something's going to happen and the many buildups that lead to the big reveal. And, and like, honestly, it's just been so disappointing. So it's nice to see and hear different types of horror, crime and fantasy that you're doing because it's great storytelling, frankly. And it's yeah, great. Yeah. And I have to say, while you, while you posted that idea about the, I, I, I haven't heard much in the American podcasting scene, to be honest uh, with you. And I, I, I must admit, I don't get to listen to a lot of podcasts because I listen to audiobooks in particular because mm -hmm. that's where I get my training from. In a lot of ways, Indian Noir is like an enhanced audiobook, uh, but re you know, realized uh, through the medium of podcasting. Because America has invested so much in its cultural institutions, particularly its writing universities and writing programs, and has produced masters like Stephen King, Often the only way in which uh, people who want to do an apprentice who are of a different cultural background or different region like myself has been to follow the American scene. Mm -hmm. So the work that's been carried out, uh, the traditions that have been built in America and UK have been absolutely integral to uh, building up um, the skill sets that I have or my thematic concerns or my ability to write stories. 
to give you an example, Stephen King was perhaps uh, the first first right horror writer I was exposed to as a child, as a teenager, me and uh, he, he he taught me so much about writing to theme. Uh, you know, he he really is an excellent teacher in that sense. I, I particularly remember, uh, you know, uh, getting this great insight about what how exactly he works when. I was reading his own writing, which is the greatest uh, book on uh, the craft of writing, where he says, you know, the, the real, really what's going on in The Shining is his fear that when he was alcoholic, he might have done something to harm his children. That, that's the real horror. Mm -hmm. And you need to be able to see what's really horrifying in a horror story um, as, as a writer before you put pen to paper. And then it kind of blossoms as an idea. Yeah. Um, so there is a long, the, one of the longer shows in, in Indian Noir is, um, um, is Fear FM. Uh, and uh, the first season is about a man who's lost uh, his IT job in the US coming back to India, who has a very uh, difficult relationship with his mother, who is now sick and he doesn't want to look after her. It deals with the idea of depression. Uh, what do you do if you really don't like your parents? How exactly does one confront one's responsibility to one's parents? Um, but season two is about uh, two women and uh, the thematic question there is what happens to adult relationships, particularly ones that might have been touched by trauma? And the, the answers to these thematic questions are more horrifying than what happens. But then, because the, the horror is, is, is very visceral, uh, you know, they, uh, uh, if you do it well, they find a, a sweet spot where they emerge and then it becomes... Um, quite quite an amazing experience as a story. Yeah, and that's the thing when it's done well, I will definitely say that. And I love what you're bringing in in terms of the ability to learn and to learn from successful people and then enhance on that. I think that's what's great. And that's where there's lots of opportunity. Where I see it for, for myself is that I get disappointed in a lot of the movies that come out. The books are better because mm -hmm. your imagination takes you to so many different places. The visual representation, I will say, doesn't get me as much. Um, but when, mm. I do, when I do- There get... are some gems, but you're right, mostly and clearly so. In horror, in, I, mean, I suppose this is a good point to raise the point that horror as a genre is partic particularly lends itself well to oral storytelling because it's uh, really enhanced by the theater of the mind. Once you see the monster, the effect is gone. I mean, although there are absolute gems um, in, 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 the, in, the, in the movie scene that completely destroy that, that rule. Uh, alien being a great example there are some movies you know alien some of the alien movies where you repeatedly see the monster and it's equally horrifying every time but there are ones where it fails as well uh, but my point was that i'm glad you raised the point about the the books and this is perhaps why you see so many horror podcasts as well people love listening to horror stories people mm -hmm. always like doing that even from mm -hmm. when they were a kid i'm sure you would have done that when you were a kid as well you're cousins or siblings would have told you the story so you would have done that yourself um yeah. uh, so it's just it's continuing that tradition i suppose no i agree with that and it is you know being satisfied and i love what you said the theater of the mind and that imagination takes us to so many places and sometimes it's much more powerful than what we see or what we what is given to us through a different perspective 
And I think that's the power of what we've been talking about, that oral tradition, how long it's been there and that storytelling and how powerful it is and that there's many stories that are, mm -hmm. that are out there. And so one thing that I have a question about is you mentioned earlier about the kind of the, the lack of structure or the, uh, the perpetuation of folks being like, well, there's no, no nothing good out there, so they don't look for it. What, what would you offer industry leaders, so the, let's say the publishers um, around Indian horror, what would you say to them or influencers about improvements that could be made so that these genres, the horror crime and dark fantasy uh, within India and the, the beauty of those stories um, can start becoming more mainstream? What would you offer in yeah. terms of improvements? A couple of things. I think it's important for the publishers to get together and have a fund of some sort, which can then be used to uh, produce magazines in each of those genres with independent editorial boards and such and uh, for those independent magazines to be then be able to pick the best works and have provide a platform for stories to be published and be of a very high quality uh, but for the pub, for the magazines themselves to be excellent marketers of their work uh, so that they can get their uh, the, the stories uh, and, and the authors the promotion they deserve and post that, then that becomes a wonderful channel for publishers to acquire great manuscripts. Because some of the people who will go on to write the short stories will write a lot of manuscripts and they will become the authors who will contribute to them. Similarly, the government and the educational institutions in, this, in the country, and a lot of them do this, but it's just so disorganized. And, and by that, I mean, there is no pipeline leading from these institutions all the way to the publishers. So for the, the government and the educational institutions in India to get together and similarly fund magazines or platforms that can then serve as, uh, um, uh, that can showcase new talents and all these different genres uh, that then uh, get a preferential treatment when it comes to the publishers. Uh, because you know, they've, they've done the apprenticeship, they have taken the path. And, uh, and, and, and while I say that, uh, it will be of most importance that these magazines, be it the ones organized by the publishers or by the government or educational institutions, that they uh, absolutely focus on the diversity of content, the diversity of experiences and the, the people uh, whose stories are being told um, in, in, in running those institutions. And then for the publishers to take an active interest in ensuring that that diversity is then represented in the books that come out uh, when when or when they pick manuscripts um, for their publishing schedule, um, uh, I think this, uh, regardless of whether there is an audience, a wider audience for this or not, I think it's important for our cultural uh, history, for our cultural tradition, that these magazines exist in whatever form they may be. If print is too hard, then web formats, or as audio has proven to be extremely popular. May most, you know, in the audio format would be even better. Um, that is what I would provide. And also for individual writers who might be very good in those genres to then also think, not just think about yourself, but think about uh, what others could uh, gain from your knowledge. And so one of the things that I might start doing starting this year is perhaps do some paid writing classes but along with that, I'm offering a, a lot of free resources on the indianoir.com website 
where uh, there is a section devoted uh, to um, uh, young writers who want to write in horror, who are Indian. It gives them a list of books that they can buy for cheap, a list of free journal articles that will educate them on the history and the traditions around horror. And with my social media, I'm always very encouraging. Uh, I tend to, uh, to try to put in a good word uh, um, to promote sort of younger writers or younger podcasters or people who might uh, be still um, uh, in, in, in the biz, but not as popular as Indian Noir. Um, so those are the ways in which individuals can help as well. Right. And I suppose from a Western point of view, Look, it's very fashionable to hold diversity panels and then and sit and nod and, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, make colourful statements at the end of it about how things need to change. But, uh, you know, maybe try and effect that change as well by not just uh, delivering on commitments you make through tokenistic kind of entries into festivals or outputs, but uh, the big ticket items you know, the, the big Hollywood productions, the big TV productions, try and source uh, um, someone from the diverse community to uh, write your next big hit on your TV channel or your movie studio or your big podcasting studio. So th that's something that can happen internationally as well. Yeah, no, I agree. And of course, and it's also one of those things where it's like, again, and not just talking, even though we're great storytellers and we love to talk, the idea is, is putting those resources, right? Time, money, attention to telling these particular stories. Uh, that's exactly right. And I think about what you were saying, that there's a lot of books on the popular folklore, but again, let's bring on those nuances. And those are great storytelling. And obviously you have a huge audience that people are looking for this niche, like you mentioned, which I think is mm. fantastic and bringing all of those ideas up. What are some of the best resources that have helped you along the way? Because you've mentioned that you provide all these resources because uh, you saw the gap. What's helped you realize these gaps and helped you um, get the podcast and understanding that these different stories needed to be told? Look, I think a, a, a big, and this is where internet's been such an amazing resource. We truly live in an amazing, amazing period of time because uh, hailing from a mid-sized town in India, I had a library where I could access some of the greatest works of uh, horror literature. But then going on from then, when I wanted to research uh, writers or the philosophical leanings of these writers, I had the internet at my fingertips to be able to read them and understand what some of the thematic uh, concerns were that these writers were trying to establish through their stories. Um, for me to then, in a truly globalized world, to be able to go and travel and live in other countries and experience other cultures and other people through that life experience also filter in ideas that then can come out as stories. Um, and uh, the technological marvel that is, uh, for example, what we are using now, still linking me up with uh, people and stories in India, even though I might not be able to physically visit the, the place. Mm -hmm. So all these aspects have come together to contribute to my skills. Specifically, though, in terms of craft, uh, it's I have to say the thing that's, that's helped me the most are textbooks that have come out of creative writing institutions in the U.S. Uh, or reading American writers because, you know, just, just because of the amount of resources they've had behind them 
to be able to, and, and, and the support and the, fi the financial support in particular they had from publishers for a long time um, to be able to produce great work. A lot of the great academic work that's been put out about the horror genre, particularly in the US, that then really informs you in the traditions that then you can go and write in. You know, I have written some Lovecraftian stories. I intend to write a lot of McKinian stories, uh, Blackwoodian stories, um, uh, all, all these great international horror traditions that are well established uh, in, in other writing cultures, but have not really been explored in India. Uh, it, it is something I would like to do. But what I would really like to do is to be a bit of a bridge in that sense, that creates a vast body of work that builds on these traditions, that then people can step on me and move on to, uh, you know, perhaps writing whatever is um, indigenous to us. Um, but that bridge doesn't exist at the moment. It really doesn't. And I think that's why Indian noir is very popular. Um, yeah. Well, obviously there's a need for it because of its popularity or else it wouldn't be there. And I think you bring up this great point around access and making sure that everyone has access like you had, because uh, not everyone does. And sometimes those traditions Correct. or those stories, right, end up being in just one of those areas. And what can we do not to monetize and yeah. capitalize on it, but to showcase to the world that richness that's already out yeah. there with the permission from the people that are telling those stories. Yeah, and uh, that is something, I'm so glad you raised that point because that is something I did want to discuss with you. Even while I say that I had access to all those resources, you know, I come from a middle-class family. Mm -hmm. uh, so I was able to access a lot of resources to then find upward mobility. That is not the case for uh, a lot of Indians. There are absolute geniuses who might be slaving away in small villages I know this for a fact because, you know, even even I even have listeners in small Indian villages who speak quite eloquently about some of the uh, thematic elements in some of the stories. You know, these are people who are well read and have a real craving to be able to write, but would struggle to find the resources to build up their skills, mm -hmm. would struggle to find the platforms that would accept and elevate their work, would struggle to find acceptance among mainstream readers in India. I mean, there's already that problem where uh, a lot of readers think that Indian writing is rubbish, or I, I don't bother reading it, I don't think it's really great. I only read Western writers is almost like a mark of uh, honor for a lot of people. Uh, frankly, that's, that's changing, especially with this current generation, they do not tolerate that rubbish attitude. Um, and they, they recognize that, that there's more harm than, than good in that because you end up slicing off your own wings um, and the ones of your friends and fellow artists. Yeah, so I'm glad you did raise that point, that that, that issue of access is huge. And uh, really, I think the solution is a cultural fund that, in, that is instituted by in the government that then elevates these voices and pays people in an editorial or mentor capacity that can then do a professional job at it. Right yeah. now, the problem is they are kind of dispersed in all these Facebook groups and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, uh, disjointedly organized organizations that frankly, um, I think would end up doing more harm than good because you don't have someone with experience, someone who's skilled handling the pipeline, if you may. And I know it's a very capitalist way of looking at it, but I'm thinking of it more from an apprenticeship point of view in your craft, where yeah. you start off writing, then you practice it for a long time. You uh, sit with a group of senior people and they guide you through it and then you go to your next level. And then you have access to platforms that will 
then showcase your work. I'm talking about that pipeline. Um, right now, it's just, yeah. Craft. Yeah, yes, 100%. That's amazing. Nikesh, I love it. And you already mentioned to us, IndianNoir.com. Where else can our listeners connect with you online? Uh, at Indian Noir on Twitter and Instagram as well. Instagram is where I'm most active. Uh, but if you need, if you want to listen to the podcast, just head over to IndianNoir.com. There's a convenient link right at the top of the page that'll take you to your favorite podcast app magically. And Imagine. then you will be able to listen to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. And you talked about so many great things. If you had to pick one thing, a call to action, for us to be inclusive in our lives, what would it be? Yeah, look, uh, I have a, a serious problem with some of the discourse in this arena. Uh, and let me take a specific example, which is that you know people cannot write about the experience of other people. I think in, while it might be true for certain uh, dominant um, sections of society that have been doing it for a lot, long time and you know it's fair to call them out uh, for the minority groups uh, you know we we have to try and lighten those voices so you know I, I try to showcase a lot of female characters in my stories I showcase gay characters in my stories I'm, I'm, I might not have a direct experience of those groups you know, being not being of that gender or that orientation but it's important that I tell stories of those groups um, so that uh, I can encourage people in those, um, in those groups to tell their stories. And so I would encourage people, particularly in, in the minority groups, to tell as many stories as possible and empower the people that you see around yourself so that they can read those stories and uh, know that those stories are about them and that might inspire them to then uh, write those stories. I, I, I really, really um, also hope uh, that we can go back to understanding some of the nuances of what the conversation is happening in this space, uh, how well-meaning some of them are, but they might not eventuate in good results for us. What, we, what do we do in our own house in terms of fixing our own problems before we start blaming uh, white people for our problems, for example? And uh, by that, I directly mean, uh, you know, it, it, a lot of the issues with publishing in India has been caused by our own cultural institutions. Uh, it's not fair to blame the West for it. Uh, the cultural institutions did not organize well enough to showcase Dalit writers or uh, gay writers or transgender writers. Uh, that, that is not a direct result of any Western influence. We did not organize our own house. So let's sort our own house properly before we blame other people any time we, we see issues on these fronts and I really hope we can we can see a sea change in that and I, I'm starting to see a lot of positive changes but you know let's let's keep at it yeah. so important that we find an equal let, let there be many more better versions of Indian noir that are purely gay-centered stories or are feminist oriented horror feminist horror is such an incredible genre that hasn't had a lot of classic masterpieces, particularly from India. Uh, I mean, you think about it, like we might be having this conversation four or five years from now uh, and uh, for us to be able to discuss a podcast that's right. delivering stories purely in that genre, 
Exactly. Yeah, I'm a big fan of write what you know and research the rest. And then yes. when you do that real research, like a documentarian, like a journalist, then you can showcase this to different people without going into harmful stereotypes or tropes, but you can show yeah. that in the research. And then you as a, you know, a man, somebody that identifies as that gender, as that sex can fully or very closely represent a, the female yeah. experience or a woman's experience because you've done the research. And this is yeah. how person would react in this situation and the, and That's then right. showcase so many different folks and then yeah I really hope in five years we're having many conversations about the many different podcasts that have come out in horror <laughs> and crime yeah, yeah. And fantasy and dark fantasy. And there is one more point on that front as well like one thing I try to avoid doing is I avoid talking about the issues facing that particular group uh, because I wouldn't have experience of it I would only uh, talk about experience that might be classified as universal, as universal human experiences of feeling hate or feeling distress. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but if, if there were a specific issue, just as you said, so important to do the research and, and make sure that you capture the, the authentic um, uh, voices and the authentic experiences behind them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nikesh, it has been a pleasure. Gosh, you know, we could talk for hours on this. I would love to delve into the similar, similar books that we've read. We'll have to do that offline. And of course, on Instagram. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today on, for me, what is this uh, auspicious day, which just ended for you. Uh, so yes. on Holy, which is welcoming of spring and uh, it is the festival of colors. So what a yes. wonderful way of combining what's supposed to be dark with something that's so on such a colorful colors. day. Yeah. Dark, darkness is a color too, uh, you know, absence of it, but regardless, yeah. you know, it's so, so exactly. awesome to have this colorful conversation uh, on, on, on holiday and um, you know, happy holy to you. And thank you for having me on here. I really enjoyed this conversation. Not surprised one bit. Whenever we talk on Instagram, like, you know, it's uh, always such interesting um, conversations and just, just love the work you're doing. Keep at it. Uh, I'm eagerly following your work and uh, I just can't wait to see you uh, rise to new heights and uh, uplift everyone. So, um, which we will try to do with you as well. It is mutual, mutual admiration. You know, I love your work. I love the stories. And uh, that's why I wanted to have you on this podcast. Nikesh, thank you so much for being here. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.